Hi, I'm Peter Heddick and welcome to another podcast edition. And this one is going to be super exciting, folks, because this one is about the future of used equipment, not just in the UK that you hear me talking about quite often, but globally. And why am I talking globally? Well, because I've got Matt Ackley on, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Ritchie Brothers, globally. Matt, welcome onto the show. Thanks for coming to talk to me. Peter, thanks a bunch. And speaking globally, I'm sitting, I'm coming to you from Sweden, uh, of all places. <laughs> Fantastic. Always where I wanted to spend a February day in Sweden. Exactly. Well, it's going to be a little bit chillier there than it is here in the UK. But, you know, hopefully we're getting through the winter season now. Matt, and we're moving forward, which is really exciting, uh, to the next auctions for Ritchie Brothers this year. Uh, uh, March and then following on in June time, etc. But Matt, the really exciting thing about what we're going to talk about today is how the whole world has changed for Ritchie Brothers, but also actually how that change is, is an opportunity for customers and buyers and sellers. But we've got to really understand, Matt, from you, and this is the exclusive moments that I'm wanting to drag out of you today, about how you know the investment that you're already making in the UK and Europe, how that's going to be ramped up. But first yep. of all, Matt, the most important thing is introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself because you've got an interesting background and where you've come from, Matt. Definitely. Thanks, Peter. So, you know, one of the little things that's not known all that well inside, even inside of Ritchie Brothers, is I've probably been doing auctions more than for longer than most people at Ritchie Brothers. So I started in the auction space in 1998, uh, just after business school, doing you know online auctions for a small company out of Boston. I actually have three patents in in the online auction space. So you know I've been doing online auctions since then. That small company was eventually purchased by eBay which is a, another company synonymous with online auctions. And, you know, I spent, oh gosh, you know, seven, eight years at eBay in the early years, helping build out that platform. You know, I, you know, that's where I first got dragged kicking and screaming into marketing. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade. I used to code for a living. Uh, hence all the data stuff we'll get to a little later on. Uh, spent about, you know, spent those years at eBay running eBay's online marketing uh, division, you know, globally, uh, once again, so driving traffic to all of eBay's properties around the world. Uh, then from there, I went to Google, uh, which, you know, the, the, you know, I was interested in, and obviously on digital marketing, online advertising, so spent some time at Google. At eBay, I was Google's biggest customer. Uh, and, and then I kind of went over to the dark side, as we said, it, at, at eBay. Uh, spent a couple years there, you know, always kind of done startups, you know, stumbled, I, I'd almost say stumbled into Iron Planet. I actually knew of Iron Planet from my fair market days, the company that got bought by eBay. And, you know, when I reconnected with Greg Owens and Jeff Jeter, who were running Iron Planet at the time, you know, I never thought I'd get back into the auction space. And it, and it looked really, you know, it appealed to me because when I looked at the heavy equipment segment, I saw that there was really a lack of online penetration there. And I saw a very, very unique opportunity at Iron Planet to do for the heavy equipment space what, you know, eBay and Amazon had done for, you know, for the retail space. And so, and to me, Iron Planet had solved actually some of the marketplace friction problems 
that eBay had, right? Specifically around inspections, specifically around, you know, escrow and, and so, you know, really managing the transaction. And so that's how I got into the space. And, you know, I think, you know, the thesis that I had held true, right? I saw a ton of opportunity to kind of move, you know, marketing in the industry forward, to move, you know, kind of the, the, the online commerce capability of the industry forward. And we really started to do that at Iron Planet. And, you know, kind of fortunately or unfortunately, I was only at Iron Planet about four or five months before the Ritchie Brothers acquisition happened. And I got kind of shoved back into this world of, live auctions and live auctioneers and, and and so forth. And, you know, I have to say the last, you know, almost four years has, have been really a fascinating time as, you know, not only have, you know, you know, I feel personally been working with the industry to kind of move it forward from a digital perspective, but also my own company, right? You know, a company that's 65 years old, very strong tradition, very strong culture in, in the live auction space and really have been working for the last four years to, to kind of transform internally, right, as well, right, really kind of bring new concepts to the companies. You know, even when we're running live auctions, right, we're really bringing a lot of digital mechanics and methodologies to the live auction space in the same way we bring them to the online auction space. Yeah, and I think, Matt, what's really interesting is your introduction to Ritchie Brothers was the same as mine, because I got introduced when Iron Planet first came to the UK yeah. with, a, with a Caterpillar brand, and yeah. basically they were doing auctions with Finning, and, and it was different, you know, and we're seeing information being given, descriptions, videos, and those all-important inspection reports are really yeah. critical if you're going to move on to exactly. saying a high-value asset and buying that online. And I know, you know, that's some of the really big things that have changed is actually, as we've moved, and we'll talk about it later, as we've moved into this period, and almost been forced all of us online, we're talking on zoom today, yeah. um, then actually, that is a big change. But what do you think the business was like, because obviously bought Iron Planet for a reason, it was a big competitor, and it was doing well in the market at the time. So Richie Brothers, recognize that they needed to move forward but yeah what was that like through that change and that transition and how has that changed over the last sort of three to four years that you've been and uh, to, to where we are today what were the challenges yeah i mean i think the the uh let, let me uh, let me tell you something um and and i actually you know we have a we have a new ceo who's come on board and you know obviously COVID has has changed all this i actually talk internally right, about our dirty little secret at Richard Brothers. And our dirty little secret is that even before, and, and, and obviously the acquisition of Iron Planet itself, but even before the acquisition of Iron Planet, Richie Brothers was a digital company. You know, we kind of had a funny saying growing up, you know, uh, you're a poet and didn't know it, right? Yeah, well, yeah. you know, they were an online company, but they didn't really know it. And the reason I say that is even before COVID, at a live sale, 70% of the transactions were done online. Yeah, right? which is huge. Which is huge, right? So even at a live sale, right, pre-COVID, you know, and, and, you know, okay, so when IP came in, that was 60%, and, you know, we've moved that to, to 70 But even before, you know, COVID, there was already a strong pool of the online world, you know, at RB, right? So while the, the mentality 
was you know very much about the live auction the underneath the covers so to speak there were already a strong foundation of online and i found that coming in i was able to tap into that right and and start to introduce slowly some of the ip approaches and so you know a couple of big ones that that i'll start with is you know when i came into rb and i looked at the way they handled digital marketing it was very episodic in nature in the sense that the focus was, so let's just take Orlando, right? We just had our Orlando sale. You know, when we came in and they went to buy keywords for Orlando, right? For the equipment to, you know, on Google to drive traffic to Orlando, they would only start the campaigns two weeks before the sale and geo target, right? The campaign, a 200 mile radius of, of Orlando. Well, that's not the way you want to buy on Google, right? If you, if you, if you, you know, once again, I'm very familiar with the Google algorithms and, you know, Google rewards with their quality score mechanism rewards an always on type approach, right? So you always want to be on the keyword used excavator for sale. And by the way, we knew from Iron Planet that, hey, people bid on this stuff from all over the country and all over the world. So why geofence for Orlando within a 200 mile radius, right? So that's one simple change. So Another simple change was, or not so simple, is we introduced for the very first Orlando sale together, we actually introduced the concept of selling virtually at Orlando, utilizing those ironclad inspections we talked about. So at a live Richie sale, you didn't have to send your, your piece of equipment to Orlando. It could sit in Michigan or Nebraska. You could take part in the kind of the, the size and the pageantry of that sale, right? It's the most massive sale in the world. But for those who, you know, couldn't inspect your equipment at the site, we borrowed, you know, from cat auction services. When we came over to the UK, you could look at the inspection on the RB website. And then actually the auctioneering was controlled by the live, you know, the live auctioneer, but you had peace of mind because, you know, that, that piece of equipment was covered by ironclad assurance. The other thing we introduced is priority bidding long, a staple of the iron planet and caterpillar auctions the ability to bid at a live sale starting two weeks ahead of that live sale, right? And so we introduced that concept. So slowly over time, we actually had, you know, a lot of these components in place, right? And you combine that with RB, I was actually a further ahead than IP when it came to mobile. RB's mobile app was much further ahead than IP's app. So you, you kind of take those factors and there was this foundation there, this dirty little secret <laughs> right. That RB was well prepared to become digital. And we just kind of layered on a few things. And all of a sudden when COVID hit, we were actually very well prepared to go, you know, to go from 70 to hundred percent. I think Matt, you know, what you've mentioned this ironclad inspection and this ironclad guarantee. I think it's worth actually talking through that because yeah. the, the, that in itself has huge, huge value to the end user, because this is not just a sticker on something. This is saying that this report that we've put together, this inspection report, these details are your guarantee about this equipment. So talk to me about why that's so important and the, the level of detail that goes into that, that actually helps people make these decisions when they're buying, quite frankly, you know, high value assets. Exactly. So, you know, back to when I, you know, was, was thinking about the job at Iron Planet, I actually called up some of my former eBay colleagues who used to work in the trust and safety section of eBay 
division of eBay and asked them, you know, what they thought about, you know, Iron Planet. And we, we actually, I mean, these are people at Andreessen Horowitz now, right? We actually zeroed in exactly on the ironclad and the ability to provide confidence for the buyer. So the way this works is when you think of Iron Planet and now Ritchie Brothers, right? We have, you know, from the Iron Planet side of the business, we have about 300, 350, a network of inspectors around the world right? Some of them employees, some of them are contractors who are all trained and provided an application. We call it iInspector. And whenever somebody opts for ironclad ins inspections, we actually send this trained person to the yard or to the, the location of the equipment. And they will basically go through a checklist of, you know, gosh, you know, 50, 60, 70 items to check out depending, you know, all customized to that piece of equipment, right? And they will give that piece of equipment a thorough inspection. They will start it up. They will take videos. You know, you know, we have a, like up to 140 pictures, videos. We even do oil. We, 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 we basically take oil samples and we send that back to a lab and we print the results of the oil samples alongside all the pictures, inspections, and, you know, the ratings and so forth. So each element, right, of that piece of equipment, right, from the operator station to the you know, the stick to the hydraulics to the undercarriage is all inspected point by point, rated, videos are taken, oil samples. And so to, to, to give that buyer confidence, as you say, it's a high value piece of equipment. And then we stand by that behind that inspection, right? And we say, look, when you get this piece of equipment, it is going to be as we inspect. We're not going to say it's in great condition, right? We're just going to say, hey, this is the condition it's in. And when you get it, it's in that condition. Otherwise, we'll make you whole, right? And that's a huge value proposition when it comes to, you know, buying a piece of equipment remotely, right? That's a, of high value that you're going to use. And so, you know, we do hundreds of thousands inspections a year. You know, we've been doing this for many years. You know, there's an intellectual property in this inspection app. We've been training these folks. You know, all these inspections go through a process, you know, quality control before they get up onto a site. So we have internal processes for that. And one of the more interesting things now that you're talking about inspections is with the introduction of RB Asset Solutions, we actually do inspections for other folks. So even if you are selling the item on your own, we will come and do an inspection. You can use the, the Iron Planet inspection, right? So we've opened up our inspector network and basically opened up our software platform so that other companies, and we have many who do this, who wish to have their items inspected, whether they're going to, you know, whether it's off-lease inspections, whether it's because they're going to sell the inspection on their own piece of equipment on their own website, you can actually make use of the Iron Planet inspections for those purposes. And the great thing about that really is it's the independence of that. And it yeah. is the sort of guaranteed expertise because what I really like, and I've done a lot of work with oil sampling when I was working with a Caterpillar dealer in the UK, oil sampling is really important because that's inside the machine. It's in the heart of the machine. You know, little tiny specks in the oil sample can say you've got component failure inside the engine where you can't see. So yeah. having that exterior, the aesthetics, looking at the machine, you know, are things movable like levers, et cetera? Is the hydraulic working? Are, you know, what are those elements? Great. But the inside, the heart of a machine, and let's be honest, 
So the big cost of the machine, exactly the stuff you can see that starts the hydraulics and the movement of machine is is great to to see that. And I think you know people are wanting to go to a trusted source. And again, that's why we've got things like Trustpilot and all the rest of it yeah, yeah. reviews that people go. And that's why a lot of people are buying from platforms like Amazon because of the reviews. So that that's really interesting to know that how you brought that out. And I guess what's different as well, Matt, and we were talking earlier is that the fact that we've got a lot of data now coming in uh, about how people are using the app, for example, and yeah. how people are accessing. And so when we're talking about the big pivot now, we're talking about yeah. the big we can't we can't not talk about the big covid moment that changed the world there's a lot more people using the app and there's a lot more people now that are benefiting from that previous investment in yep. it infrastructure and people so tell me a little bit about the big shock moment and and actually was it really a big shock after all and and how as Ritchie Brothers worked with customers, buyers, sellers, and the industry. Because let's be honest, the biggest thing that you guys do is you create cash from assets that allows people to reinvest, allows people to pay the bills. So talk to me a little bit about the COVID moment and where we were and, and what happened. Yeah, so, you know, I would really say, you know, when you think of the COVID moment at RB. I would talk about it in terms of a tale of two cities. And at Ritchie Brothers, right, we still have a large portion of our company that works at the sites. They deal with physical contact with people day, you know, take deliveries of equipment, you know, customers doing pickups, you know, drop, you know, all this kind of stuff. So we call that site operations. The, the impact on site operations was really, really large. And those people had to pivot, you know, once again, right? Because of the, the human to human interaction, the physical nature of, of that job, you know, we, we uh, you know, were the sites being shut down? Did we qualify under local ordinance to sell equipment versus not? You know, what about social distancing? What about procedures of, you know, hand sanitizer and masks and stuff like that? All of those real world that many businesses out there in the real world face, our operations team had to really change and they stepped up to the challenge. I mean, you know, these are people, I mean, they, you know, tried and true, they bleed orange, they've been at RB for years you know, whether you're in the cold snow of Edmonton or the heat of Florida, you know, or, you know, in Italy, right? What, you know, one of our sales, one of our early sales was in Italy that we had to, we had to postpone because that was, if you remember, that was kind of the nexus of the early outbreak. And so uh, those folks really, really had to pivot, right? Really had to change. Think about how we're changing operations. You know, how are we going to drop off a machine in, in COVID time, right? You know, can people come to the site and inspect, you know, should we let people into the auditorium, but keep them spaced? There were a lot of challenges on that front, and they rose to the occasion, adapted very quickly. Uh, we were able to pivot very, very quickly to online. So for instance, the auctioneers, right? We couldn't fly them around the world. And so we had to essentially, you know, figure out how to do it remotely. So we, we set up home auctioneering stations so that they could actually auctioneer a remote sale from their home. So that, that's one side of the story. That's one city. Uh, for us on the digital side, it was like, ah, this is the moment we've been waiting for, right? You know, hey, you guys want to go all digital. We've been saying, hey, let's do more digital. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we can, we can, let bring it on, right? <laughs> you know, you want me to go buy more keywords? I can, I, that's easy, 
right? You know, we just kind of turned up the dial. And so once again, as I talked about, we were well prepared to really drive online traffic to the site, you know, set up the auctions so that people could, you know, access the sites very, very quickly. And, you know, we saw our traffic skyrocket, right? And, but we were just, you know, hey, great, well-prepared. We've always, you know, usage of the mobile app skyrocketed, right? I talked about priority bidding earlier. Scott, you know, it was there. And it was just, people just started using it more and more and more. So for us, like I said, it was, you know, we kind of talk about it, it was our dirty little secret. We were well ready. And on the digital side, it was like, hey, here's your moment to shine. You know, go, this is the moment you've been waiting for. You know, this is the moment you've been arguing we should be going and doing, you know, go for it. And so the results have been really quite fascinating uh, and, and really awesome, right? And I think, you know, for me, as somebody who's come from the online world and somebody who came from IP, the competitor that was that was acquired, you know, it was a little bit of, I told you so. And, you know, if you start to think about it, you know, so one of the things in Europe, right, big change in Europe, we immediately went, we didn't even use the live auctioneers in Europe, right? We went immediately to, to what we call our timed auction lots, online only. And all of a sudden, people went, huh, more people registered for the auction. You know what? Bidding went up. Gosh, we got more end user customers than, than dealers. And they started to go through it in their head and they're thinking, you know what? Maybe the Italian farmer didn't want to drive two and a half hours to listen to some guy in English talking a language he doesn't understand to bid on a piece of equipment when he could actually do it from his dinner table. So when you think of like a towel, an online auction, you know, we open those auctions up five days, right? They're open five, eight days. Well, you can go in and bid anytime. You can put in your max bid. You're bidding, you know, the language is in your, your local language. You know, a lot of the conveniences that you know, we had kind of talked about, but, you know, we're kind of reluctant to, you know, kind of to move away from that tradition. All of a sudden, they worked. We had great price performance. We had great participation. We had more participation from buyers. You know, for us, from an online perspective, it, you know, and you've kind of heard this in other industries, it kind of pushed us basically like, oh, this is going to take five years to move forward. And we actually did it in, in six months. Exactly the same for us, right? We were able to push the company forward digitally in a very, very, very short period of time because we had to. Whereas, you know, had COVID not happened, you know, we probably would have debated a lot of these issues for a lot longer. And I think, you know, I'm going, I'm calling these the big surprise moments, Matt. Yeah. You know, okay. yeah. so for yeah. me, following the UK in particular, and, and, you know, and seeing some of the stuff that's happened over in the Netherlands as well, is basically, it's record-breaking auctions. Yeah. Yeah, nobody would have thought record-breaking auctions. But let's talk about a couple of reasons why. Because obviously, there's record-breaking auctions going on because there's more people, there's more bidding. But there's yep. people that wanted to get, still wanted to get rid of assets. Yep. But there's also, in the UK in particular, Matt, there's some huge government big ticks to support the construction industry yep. in particular with High Speed Rail 2 and more yep. infrastructure projects. And, of course, we're all seeing the huge rollout of trying to get people fibre broadband uh, into their homes because they're working from home. And then we've got the issue, of course, of factory closures in the early stages. So people still need the younger equipment. So talk to me about yeah. some of these sort yeah. of things and, and how they, they, they've played and how Ritchie Brothers have supported the industries in which we work, but also 
really supported the way in which the whole construction industry can move forward. Let me talk about a number of factors here. It, it is quite fascinating. You're talking about this, you know, and once again, I, uh, for me, it's a little new, right? I've worked in technology, you know, most of my life and, and to have to work in an industry that is more impacted by global events than let's say, you know, a Google or, you know, an eBay or, you know, in the early days when you're kind of a technology startup. If I think back to the, once again, let, let's go through the early days. I think, you know, the first period was uncertainty. Right. We saw, oh, my God, what's going to happen? A lot of reluctance from sellers. Should I sell? Should I not sell? Uh, a lot of I'm sitting on my hands. Uh, I'm going to wait and see. And, and, you know, and then, you know, they started to see that, wow, these, these, you know, first of all, these RB things are really working, right? People are buying, right? And then, you know, through the summer when things, start, you know, we saw, you know, people say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to unload supply. This is really working. You know what? I'm going to take advantage. I've got some stuff that maybe wasn't working pre-COVID or, or, or what, I'm just going to get rid of it now. So we kind of saw a, a huge influx. And then, you know, once again, I think, as you pointed out, as we headed into Q4 and specifically now, a lot of that lack of production in the early days have kind of caught up to us now. And so what we're seeing is very much a little, you know, you know tighter on the supply side. You know, we talked about this in our last earnings call, but as you pointed out, I think as people look forward to one, you know, we've seen a little bit of, you know, banks haven't really acted like banks yet. So they've extended credit. So people still have the ability to buy stuff. People are still holding on to stuff. As you mentioned, there's large infrastructure projects in the UK and the US, you know, Biden's in, they're talking about the same thing. People are expecting, you know, the vaccines, the end of COVID. You see this really strong demand right now, coupled with that kind of tight supply from the early, you know, as you pointed out, from when, you know, manufacturing kind of held off for a bit. You're seeing some really, really interesting times. I mean, the pricing at our, our recent Orlando auction was just unreal, right? It was through the roof, right? We've seen that late Q4, you know, we saw that at Mordike a week ago in, in Europe. We're seeing this all over this place, this tight supply market coupled with really, really, really strong demand. Now, I also like to say that we've done a lot to, you know, increase that demand. So when you look at, let's say Facebook, right? This year, it, just in the month of February, we registered four more thousand people from Facebook for auctions than we did last year. So, you know, so once again, yeah. you take this high demand market and you combine it with some of these new techniques and you start to break records. Right. And I think, yeah, Matt, I think with that, I think people, and again, it's, I think it's a, a cultural thing. You know, people feel that to buy something at an auction that is high value is, is, is a risk. But yeah, we've had uh, some great examples. And again, I know you get this uh, in America and, and other parts of the world of people buying for the project. So you, you, we've got a six month project where we need a specific piece of machinery we can buy that machinery we can use it utilize it and it's the right piece of machinery rather than breaking something that's the wrong piece of machinery you know, so we can fleet match and things like that and then we can go back and we can sell it again at the auction and, and then quite frankly in some cases the value of that asset has gone up then you know that's a really interesting concept about yep. how people can change the way in which they work and I know that that on top of other elements like in the UK, I know it's not in America, people go, what? When I say, uh, when I talk to people in America, we've got issues with emissions. 
you know so we've got carbon emissions are really important um, yeah, other than california anything <laughs> exactly anything that's done in the uk now so we've got emission standards we've got a caesar tagging scheme that says the big sticker saying this is compliant to this standard and people are having to move um, older assets out because they need the highest level of emission standards. So there's two different things there for me. What are your thoughts on that element of both the emissions, but also the cultural shift and buy per project? I think, uh, you know, a, a couple of things. Let me start with buy per project, right? So we still, you know, we see a lot of that, you know, even with the penetration of rental. To your point, we've actually, I, I, won't, I won't call them internal studies, but we've got, you know, we've, some of our folks, we have a, a new guy, he's kind of a chief economist. He was a sell-side analyst with one of the investment banks. And, you know, he's done just some back-of-the-envelope work. In many cases, you know, it's, you know, to your point, it's actually cheaper to buy a used machine, use it for a little bit and resell it than it is to potentially rent it, right? Your cost factor is, is lower, right, in that case. Now, once again, we have to make it easy for people to buy and sell, and, and, and we're working a lot on that. So we we see that a lot. We also, you know, once again, as I, as I was talking a little bit about the way we've entered the market with this thing called Ritchie Brothers Asset Solutions, the second you buy that piece of machinery, we're actually giving you data, right? You can access data. You can understand if I were to sell this today, what, what's it going to be worth, right? And basically, we're, we're working on products too, and we'll talk about Rouse in a little bit. Not only, you know, what's my current utilization? What's my cost of maintenance? Should I keep running this machine? Or hey, should I take the opportunity to sell it? You know, so one, and you can be thinking about this as your project progresses, right? And we're giving you tools and data to help manage that whole scenario. So, and, and by the way, you don't have to wait for the live auction. You know, that's not your only method of selling, right? You don't have to wait for the next multi auction. You know, if your project ends in two weeks and the next multi auction isn't in, you know, three, four months, you can sell today through other formats, right? You could sell it online. You could sell it through Mascus, which is our listing service. And we built tools and data to make it easy for you to manage that whole process. That's on the kind of the project-based approach. As it comes to uh, emissions, right? Look, the emissions issue you know, quite frankly, is a complex one. It exists all over the world. I mentioned I live in California. You know, we just changed the way and, and I think it's called CARB. You know, the, you know, so people are turning over their entire truck fleets, right? Because they have to be brought up to, to new standards. And, you know, we've turned into a great venue for folks if they need to get rid of, you know, their older trucks. And, and by the way, we have a global buying base. And as we know, emission standards are different around the world. So we see a lot of export of, of machinery, right, you know, to places where it still can be used or areas where it still can be used. And so as a global marketplace, we like to think that that's one of gaps we we fill in is hey if you know if this is a piece of equipment that can be no longer used in the uk but we can use in some other country here's a global marketplace to help you take advantage of that but you know at the same time you know one of the factors here's an interesting thing you know we've been doing a lot of work as a company on the whole concept of esg right you know which is a type of investing investors are looking for companies that you know offer you know whether it's green services whether it's uh, sustainability and things like that, right? You know, the move to online, one of the interesting things about our, our own particular move to online is because we're not running the equipment across the ramp, 
you no longer have those environmental issues. So I think, you know, all over, we look at ourselves as, as a company from an ESG standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, we prolong the life of machines. You know, we're doing a service to people who need to upgrade their machines for emission standards. You know, we're, we're taking steps to reduce our own, you know, carbon footprint. So, you know, that's something that's really, really important to us as an organization. And I think, you know, before we go into the big data chat, which I'm going yeah, to go yeah. into in a moment, let's just cover off a couple more of these yeah. areas around investment, please. Okay. Uh, because, you know, we've got the physical bricks and mortar. And I've been really fortunate to see <laughs> the magnificent transformation of the old Maltby Colliery site yeah. into the new uh, permanent home for Ritchie Brothers in the UK. You know, that's serious investment, demolishing old old buildings, taking over and reinvigorating uh, new buildings, creating a state-of-the-art facility. And that's still going on. You know, there's still yeah. phases to be completed. But... The, the element to Ritchie Brothers is not just the selling of equipment, is it? Because we're talking about actually, and you've talked about it from an asset management point of view, but actually when you're looking at how you sell equipment and the services that you might need. So, you know, looking at painting equipment, looking at servicing equipment, looking at doing repairs, looking at you know, matching buckets or things like that. And Ritchie Brothers is not just... There's a big site, a big car park for equipment, is it? You've expanded out. And those sort of in, increased services and the, the bricks and mortar of Ritchie Brothers are important, aren't they? Tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the fascinating things um, that, you know, our new CEO, Ann Fandozzi, uh, you know, she's come in and she's, she's picked up once again on a theme or an element to our business and offering that was already there. And it's funny, you know, she talks about, you know, we, we have this nomenclature inside the company. We talk about live versus online auctions. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let's just, let's, let's get rid of that, right? All our auctions are online. The only difference is where is the equipment sitting? Is it at one of our sites or is it at the, the seller's location? And when you start to take that view of the world, for many years, you know, external folks, investors and stuff like that have looked at Richie Brothers and said, hey, as you move online, you can get rid of those sites. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. What we are finding out is that our sites actually serve, a, having a physical site is a huge competitive advantage for a lot of what you just outlined, yeah. right? So we're actually in the progress of building more sites but different types of sites. So take Germany, for instance, we just built what our first or acquired our first satellite site. Um, now they're scaled down in nature. They're a little bit more, the, the, they don't have the auditorium or whatnot, but they are a place to bring equipment where we can do those services on them. And I'll, and I'll get to the services in a second, because you touched on something very, very important in Australia, right? We're building sites. I think we're, you know, we're going to build six or seven across the country. Right. And what this allows consigners to do, consigners, the one thing consigners love about Ritchie Brothers is something we call care, custody, and control. They want to move it off their yard. You know, some consigners want to move it off their yard. They want to let us take control of it, let us fix it up, let us paint it, let us do small repairs on it. And they don't want people coming to their location where they're working to inspect the machine and stuff like, hey, so send it over to Ritchie, right? Let's store it there. 
Um, and then, you know, once again, we can do all. And so we're finding that by building, you know, a lot of these satellite yards, it a lot, you know, instead of trucking it, you know, once again, I, I'm not, you know, up to speed on, you know, instead of trucking it way, you know, from, I guess, what, Cornwall way down south and the tip there all the way over to Maltby, you know, maybe we set up a satellite yard there, you can put the equipment there, but still take advantage of the Maltby sale, right? And so we're, we're starting to do this. The other thing, I, you know, once again, I keep, I keep coming back to this, you know, RB Asset Solutions. One of the things we do, not only can you order inspections through the RB Asset Solutions, but we use our sites for people who are still trying to sell equipment themselves. So we work a lot with financial companies around the world, right? Well, what's the thing about a bank, right? A bank doesn't have a depot where they can, you know, park trucks and excavators and stuff like that. So we say, hey, bring it to our yard. You know, when it comes back off lease, bring it to our yard, store it there. Hey, if you want to go try to sell it yourself, yep. go ahead. We'll just charge you a storage fee. Yep. Oh, you can't sell it yourself. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? We've got an auction coming up. You can just roll it right into the, it's already at the yard. Uh, we can inspect it for you right there and boom, 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 boom. Right. And may already have the ironclad inspection on. So once again, to your point, these physical sites are going to be an important part of our future because they give us so much flexibility to offer these types of services, a wide range of services to our sellers. And I think the interesting part about all that, Matt, is yeah, it's talking about the value of space. Okay, so in America, you know, space is relatively cheap, depending on where you are, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, to, come, to, come to the Bay Area where I live. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but, you know, you're in Texas, you've got a great big space. You know, it's quite cheap per square meter. We're in the UK. It's a really congested part where in Europe is exactly the same. And so when I'm a plant hirer, and this is where we're dominantly plant hire in this country yeah. uh, and when I'm a plant hire I don't have huge space and yeah. generally you know some of the challenges that those businesses have had is if sites have been shut down in the early days they haven't got the space to actually fit all of their assets that they're owned in their own yards because their model is not like that they're, they're, their assets come back in to get service to go back out yeah. you know, they're not yeah. storage depots like you're saying and um, so that in itself is a really big part of it. But I think that, and I'm going to move on to data now, if you don't mind me yeah. saying this. Um, the big thing is, though, there's a balance, isn't there? And this is where data comes in. There's a balance between how much work I do on an asset to make it ready for sale. So do I paint it? Do I do this? Do I fix do I fix an unworking engine or do I do I replace all the hydraulic hoses? Do you know to the value in which you get for that asset? And this is and this is really where you come in with the acquisition piece and how and why on earth you've bought Roos and why excitingly that business is actually something which could do very well in the UK. Yeah. So. Let's move on to that. Why this big investment at this time? I talk a lot about the connected work site, data, 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 data. You know, that's what everybody's talking about in the UK right now. This is data that completely changes the potential way of looking at used equipment. Yep. Talk to me about it. 
So one of the things that I mentioned my background, right? I'm a CMO, but I have two degrees in engineering and I used to code for a living. And when we built systems at eBay and stuff like that, it was all, you know, Google, you know, obviously all driven by, by data. And, and when you come into the world of, of heavy equipment, I've, I've actually been fascinated by the opportunity to bring data-driven offerings, right, to the market. You know, I'll be the first to say, you know, I've been incredibly impressed by how, you know, sophisticated these machines are and telematics and, you know, you get into the ag space and they've got satellites that control these combines. And, you know, it's just, I mean, there, there is some really, 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 you know, high-end technology going on here, right? When it comes to kind of the commerce angle and the valuation angle, data started to play, you know, data can, can play a massive role. And let me, let me start where we started at Iron Planet and then bring you through the Ritchie Brothers journey. And then I'll talk a little bit about the acquisition of Rouse. So one of the first things I saw at, at Iron Planet was we spent, you know, and I don't know if your um, the European audience is is yeah actually is familiar with a concept or, or a book uh, in the United States called Moneyball, and it was about the evolution of how people evaluate baseball players, right? Oh. You know, the, the the old you know you have the same thing with football in the UK. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I'm a, I'm a huge EPL fan, right? <laughs> and so um, my daughters play a lot of a lot of a lot of football, or we say soccer, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the use of statistics in sports now, right? You know, how to evaluate whether a player is truly good or not versus the old school of, you know, I'm just going to look at him on the pitch and I can tell you if he's good or not versus, you know, stats, you know, you know, passing efficiency and all that kind of stuff you guys have in, in, in football. Yeah. Um, you, you saw the same thing with the equipment. You know, we, you know, we had all these people, right? They, they, oh, I'm, a, I'm an equipment expert. I can value that that piece of machinery, da, 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 looking at it and da, da. Well, guess what? This is also, you have all this data about that machine. Yep. We have all these latest, you know, algorithmic techniques, machine learning, artificial intelligence. So we actually started one of the, I hired somebody from eBay, uh, data scientist, right? And we built machine learning algorithms to, hey, price that machine for me, right? Year, make, model, usage, condition, features. Let's use machine learning to price the machines. You can do it, but you know, not that it's any better than the human. I mean, in fact, you know, we, we test our algorithms versus the humans all the time, right? Because before every auction, we put a price on that, you know, what we think it'll bring. Uh, the human does it, the computer does it. We compare afterwards who's better, who's not. Yeah, you know, the margins of error are, are in the same, you know, you know, ballpark and the machine, machine wins, uh, you know, it wins slightly, but guess what? Machine can do it like that right? You know, can price thousands and thousands of pieces of equipment in seconds. And, you know, where does it take the human along? So we started there. We started to use machine learning to price equipment, right? To really improve our efficiency, to get better prices and so forth. The other place, and I, and I know I'm, 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 I'm going to get into a little bit of auction science, but we also started to use machine learning to predict, okay, we have that price of the equipment. Now heading into an auction, we look at the demand metrics. You know, how many people are looking at that uh, piece of equipment? How many pre-bids does it have on it? You know, how many watch listers? And we use the algorithms to predict whether that machine was going to meet that price, that predicted price or not, right, in the auction. And, and that, that helps determine our marketing, you know, efforts. And we'll come back to that, you know, more detail later. But 
So, okay, so you've got this algorithm to price equipment. Well, then we built this RB Asset Solutions or Ritchie Brothers Asset Solutions to start in an inventory management system. We said, hey, why don't you start to load your equipment into an inventory management system, whether you're going to sell it or not, right? And when you load that equipment in there, let's put some more data in there, like, you know, utilization. And then every day, you know, so when you log into the inventory management system today from we're mark to mark, we're, we're providing you through machine learning, the latest price, what we think that will fetch in an auction. Yeah. Yeah. So we started on this journey, you know, Iron Planet four or five years ago with Ritchie Brothers Asset Solutions. We introduced the IM at the inventory management system and algo pricing, what we call it the RB price estimate to our inventory management system. So you as a consigner can load your equipment in and we'll, we'll tell you what the price is. We've also given you other data tools. And then we said, you know what? This is really the future, right? This is, this is really the future. We had worked for years, I'll say more side-by-side -side with Rouse. Um, Rouse was, we were actually trying to play catch up with Rouse. Uh, They're very sophisticated at this. You know, they look at $65 billion of equipment every night and they price it. Um, That's an incredible amount of equipment. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll come to that in a second, right? Uh, they had built technology. I mean, the biggest problem when it comes to pricing the equipment is figuring out what that equipment is, right? Everybody calls it something different. <laughs> Right, you know, is it a genie? Is it a is it a JLG? You know, ten fifty four. Is it a Skyjack ten fifty? You, you know, you know, it's really it was made by Skyjack, but JLG. You know, da, 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 it's the ten fifty five. Rouse had figured all that out, right? Rouse had done all the data stuff. Uh, Rouse had, you know, all the categorization. They built systems to normalize the features and stuff like that. And we're just like, look, if we're going to do this, we, you know, and do this at scale, we need this technology. Now, and you combine that with the fact, you know, as you get, as you talk rental, what Rouse provides to folks, specifically on the rental side, is utilization and pricing benchmarking. So if I'm a rental company, right, and I'm, I've got all this equipment out for hire, right, Rouse takes in all your equipment every night, all your prices, all your utilization metrics, they also take in everybody's and they feed right. back to you every day. Yeah. Hey, you're, you know, you're renting a cat 336, right? You're charging X amount, X amount, you know, euros, pounds, and your utilization rate is 78% in Birmingham. You know, the competition, the benchmark is, hey, you know, utilization of this machine is actually 85% and their prices are lower. You may want to think strategically about your rental business and how you might want to adjust prices. And they allow you to evaluate that down to a branch level, to a salesperson. So they basically give you this benchmarking tool to run your business. What becomes fascinating is once you start to take into, and, and then by the way, Rouse offers other tools to you know, people who sell equipment themselves, load their data in. And so they offer these three benchmarks. They offer auction. Hey, here's what, here's what the, the, the equipment will get uh, if you sell it at auction. Here's what it'll get if you try to sell it yourself. And then now that you have all this data, you can actually start to make informed decisions about how you want to buy and maintain and dispose of equipment. This machine... We haven't rented it in three months. Utilization is low in this area. We don't predict it to go up. Here's what it's fetching for if we try to sell it. 
let's move this and try to sell it versus trying to rent it, you know? And, and so all of a sudden, all of this data, right? All the transaction data from RB, all the pricing data, all the data from Rouse gets from all their customers comes into one place. And then we feed that, that back to all our customers and we help them make decisions on, you know, do I own, do I sell, do I, you know, on their equipment, which is their, you know, which is the, the heart of their business. And I think that the biggest thing about that is when you're looking at the value proposition. So if you have that data yeah. and looking at what equipment you buy, we've got JCB, for example, you've got Caterpillar, uh, you've got different brands that do well in different parts of the world. Yeah. When you look at that and, and seeing, you know, that can make purchasing decisions. Oh, hey, we've got the best resale value, right? After exactly. how many years? You know, what brand holds its value more? All exactly. of that kind of stuff. We are now delivering, right, to our, you know, to our, to our ecosystem. And, and we have a number of different data products now with the combination of Rouse that actually gives people all that information. And I think the really interesting element about that is when you're talking about rental, for example, in uh, the UK, you're talking about some businesses that are UK based, but you're talking about other businesses that are part of global businesses. So I know when we talked before with this interview, you're yeah. doing a lot of work, for example, with Sunbelt North America. Now, yeah. in the UK, uh, we are at Ritchie Brothers, you're selling stuff for Sunbelt Rentals UK, who've recently yeah. been rebranded. Well, the learning elements of both of those businesses in different markets also translate to a global market. And yeah. the specification of equipment and the value is important because... Mm. If you're just specifying something at, say, the, the, the minimal spec, and you're seeing that the value of that is going down, uh, but if you go and raise it slightly to, say, another hydraulic line for a certain size yeah. machine, and you're actually getting better resale value, well, at price purchase point and at value point, you then have that information, which actually makes your relationship with the manufacturer and how you're negotiating and what equipment you're bringing in and therefore what value you're offering the end user, far more impactful, doesn't it, when you bring all of that into, and ultimately leads to more profit for a rental business. And once again, you know, when you, as you think about our business, right, and, and you think about, you know, once again, where I've come from, right, Google. Google doesn't make its money in advertising. It makes its money in data. It's giving you, it's allowed you as a marketer to utilize more data to make your advertising dollars more efficient and to grow your business. You can all of a sudden start to measure the ROI, right, of your advertising. I look at our role in the heavy equipment ecosystem in much the same way, right? I want to make sure that, yes, we are a place to transact. Yes, Google is a place to buy ads, but we're also a place to give you data that basically helps you run your business better right? Whether that's making purchasing decisions, whether that's making rental utilization decisions, whether that's making disposition decisions, whether that's making lease return decisions, uh, whether that's making decisions to, hey, do I put this used equipment back in the channel if I'm a captive finance it or do I sell it? You know, all those things, we know that kind of like baseball, right? Or kind of like soccer or football in, in, in the UK, we're moving from our customers are becoming more sophisticated and you know how they view used equipment right there's a lot of money on the balance sheet 
yeah, that's related right. to used equipment. And if I can get more efficient, that means a, that's, that can have a huge impact on my business as a whole. And we want to help them get more efficient. And this is where I'm going to come into the what the phrase I absolutely yeah. love, Matt. And this is auction science. It yeah. seems like we're going to have a TV program. Hi, I'm yeah. Peter. I'm joined by Matt here. And uh, we're, the, we're the host for the new channel. Carl Sagan. So, but really... The, Nobody's ever could have imagined we would be talking about something at a phrase of auction science, because what we've just explained there, all this data, all this knowledge and all this information, and it's the combined knowledge of skills in inspections, data, information points, you know, algorithms, uh, machine learning, and all of this that actually comes out with the science behind uh, this. It's not an experiment, is it? It's really yeah. now we're saying we can actually give you this. And so where we're rebranding, I guess, Ritchie Brothers in, you know, where you've got your asset systems, I like to call it this whole new world is, is Ritchie Brothers auction science. Yeah. Let's take a look into it. So when we're looking at that, what we know now that you've just spoken about is really interesting about all these different points. But where is auction science gonna take us? Is uh, that within touching distance now or what else has gotta be input in there? And also, you know, what we really wanna do, and we talk about what connected assets on sites and things like that, we talk about collaboration, we talk about data integration. Could we see the auction science bit really actually merging into other platforms that people are using when they're looking at GPS telemetry, when they're looking at utilization, when they're looking at the health of the machine. What do you see, Matt, in the big crystal auction science board? Where I start with, with all of this and what I've found interesting from you know my own personal perspective, right or wrong, is we started building and, and sometimes this isn't the best way to do it, but you know, it's a good way to start. We started building this a little bit inside out, right? And, and what I mean by that is when, we, when I came into Iron Planet, Iron Planet was very different than eBay in the sense that eBay was so large that I couldn't really see the data in real time. So I really couldn't, you, know, you, couldn't, you couldn't really manipulate or do it, or you know, it was tough to come up with the ideas. I think they're there now. Remember, this was this was 15 years ago. But you could almost see the you you could in fact see the auctions happening in real time at, at Iron Planet. And where we started, where we started is I'll go back to we tried to predict the performance of an auction. So, in the industry, right, whether you're selling at auction, da da da. Okay, I think that machine is worth let's just say a hundred thousand pounds. Okay. It's on the auction block. It's going to auction off in two weeks. How do I, as a marketer, make sure that that machine fetches 100,000 pounds or more? Because that's kind of my job. That's our service to our sellers. We say, hey, we, we're going to bring you, you know, prices. So I started looking at the data, right? And we took the same data scientists who, who built the algo pricing model. We said, hey, build me a model that tells me whether that machine, when it gets auctioned off and the auction is finished, Will it bring 100,000 pounds? Yeah. 
And so we started looking at the variables, right? We started looking and, and you start looking at, you know, you start looking at the price of the machine, the location of the machine, um, how long it's been up on the website, uh, you know, how many people have looked at it, how many people have placed bids on it, how, you know, who are these people, what types of bids have they placed, you know, how many people have added it to their watch list, how many people have searched on it, you know, what's the traffic to the site at that particular time, throw all this data in a hopper and tell me if you think that machine is going to fetch 100,000 pounds. Yeah. And if it's no, Matt, go do something about it. Right. And so with digital marketing, what it allowed me to do, because, you know, once again, you know, it's not the world of brochures. You're sending out a brochure. You know, I can react quickly. Oh, I can spin. I can get this item into a, a Facebook feed and boom, I can show it to a bunch of people on Facebook who, who we know are interested in, let's say it's an excavator, who are interested in excavators. And we can do all sorts of lookalike modeling, find the right audience. Let's increase the demand to this machine. Whereas this other machine, guess what? It's already got six bidders on it. Uh, tons of people have looked at it. Adding a seventh bidder is not going to make the price go higher, right? And so we first started using science in, in, in this way to really drive performance of our auctions. And, and once again, one of the great things about being more digital is digital creates more signals, more recordable signals that I can feed to algorithms to improve my you know, performance and improve my efficiency. And so you create this, this virtuous circle. Now, how does this start to link to other aspects of the ecosystem, right? So if you start to expand beyond auctions, right? And, and you start to look at other forms, you know, let's, let's say expand beyond the live or the unreserved auction to maybe reserved auctions. To maybe, I, as a, I as a consigner, you know, I may want to run it in a different format before I cascade it into an unreserved. So, okay, so what are the parameters around that, right? What are, you know, how long should we try to sell it maybe on a listing site or, you know, in, in our marketplace e format before I move it to an unreserved? You know, can I get a higher price if I sell it in this format versus that format? Um, what's the information in this format, you know, that I need versus the information that I need in an auction. Okay, all right, can I list it in this format while I'm still using it? And what are my utilization rates? As we talked about before with Rouse, you know, when is the time to take it out of service for me, move it to this format and then cascade it maybe down to the auction. And when you do this, you, you start to raise the blended recovery rate uh, of your assets, right? Now, once again, you started talking about telematics and connected machinery. The data, you know, we do all these inspections, right, today. Well, what if, uh, you know, we could feed some of that telematics data right into the inspections? What if that telematics data was saying, hey, you know what, this is reaching its end of useful life, you know, trigger it, you know, trigger the inspection, move it to, you know, the MPE or listing format, right? Put it there for 90 days, or hey, let's combine that with, you know, interest rate data and, you know, depreciation curves. And you can, once again, you can just start to, you know, as I'm doing right now, you can just start to go on and on and on and on and on. And, and I think that is, once again, when you, you, at the core, you talk about that is this, it starts with auction science and it starts with this kind of nucleus of the transaction. And then we expand out to bring in other parts of the ecosystem, which once again, really help our goal here is to be a trusted advisor 
yeah. right, to yeah. our sellers and help them understand the value of their equipment and make better decisions. And look, I keep coming back to this, you know, Richie Brothers, you know, and the way we feel we're different than maybe other auction companies is we're not just sit there to, you know, we're not just coming in to buy your equipment and sell it at auction when you don't, hey, we want to help you make those decisions. And if you want to sell it on your own, which I know a lot of the, the higher companies in the UK do, great. Hey, we've got, we'll help you do that. We got tools. You can use our data. You can use our inspection to sell it on your own. Hey, but we're also here, you know, when you need us, if it is time, I need to get rid of it now. As you said, I need cash right away. Yeah. We are here. We can help you out. Uh, but we want to be much more than that. And I think the other thing that, you know, you've mentioned there, and I think is really important with all of this information, it allows Ritchie Brothers to share that. And, you know, it's not a fact that you can make it up. This is all data that's pulled together. Here are the lines of data. Here's your machine. Here's what it's done globally for the last six months. There it is. Here is what we can do for you. Yep, Marketplace E, which is the reserved space. Yep. We've got Ritchie Brothers, which is the auction space. But we have got that space, which more and more people are going for, which is buying the equipment off you right now, getting that money in the bank, you know, within 24 hours, just, you know, it's hugely, but giving you the data, data can't lie as to say, this is the price we're giving you for these reasons. Yeah, and exactly. We're you not pulling you. We're we're a publicly traded company. Here are the transactions. Yeah. Make, you know, hey, here, make make the decision yourself. Right? Yeah, and that's great because it puts decisions that are auction science decisions, in my mind, into the hands of the owner of that asset. That is a, an amazing way to put it. We're putting those auction science decisions into the hands of the owner of the asset. You, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, that you can have that one, Matt. I'll give you. <laughs> oh, I will use it. <laughs> But that's brilliant. But, you know, so look, that's brilliant. I love the auction science approach. I think everybody will love it as well because it's so transparent. So, you know, Matt, I've, I've had you for a long time already. I'm just going to get you wrapping up and what you look like at the future. We know auction science is going to be great. I love the fact that we're going to be able to see telemetry health data coming off a machine, all this yeah. utilization that's going to trigger a point in the Rouse data or in the, you know, the Ritchie Brothers combined data scenario that says now is the time to sell me, for example. That's great. But, you know, you've got these brands, you know, you talked about Mascus, you talked about Rouse, you've talked about Iron Planet, you're talking about Ritchie Brothers and stuff. like that. What happens with the sort of Ritchie Brothers different brands that you've collected over time? And what does that look like? Matt, yeah, yeah, I think that, that's a that's a great question, and it's been a it's been a passion of mine because at the end of the day, once again, I come out of the online space, and you know, a lot of my thinking about e-commerce and everything was obviously shaped at eBay and Google, right? And so search, yeah. right? At the end of the day, I need a piece of equipment for a job. I'm not thinking format, right? I'm not thinking, oh, I need a piece of equipment from a live unreserved auction. <laughs> or I need a piece of equipment from a Mascus listing site. I need, look, hey, I, you can even go so far as to say, I don't need a drill, I need a six inch hole, right? You, you, you know, and I need a piece of equipment. So therefore, from a buyer's perspective, in my mind, we need to do a better job of bringing all our inventory together and serving it to a buyer in one place. Right. So when I search for a piece of equipment, you know, whether it's a live unreserved auction, whether, and by the way, you know, uh, 
yeah, live unreserved auction may be happening in two months, but I need something today, yeah. right? So, so we need to do a better job of bringing like kind of all of this under one umbrella, one brand. You know, there was a there was a prevailing theory, you know, at RB that oh, certain people prefer live unreserved auctions and certain people prefer online. That, that just hasn't, you know, obviously COVID's that's another thing COVID's destroyed, right? Yeah. People just want to equip one equipment. So we will be bringing it together, you know, eventually under one brand. It'll be the RB brand. You know, we're working on that. We're bringing together our different technology platforms. What that gives you the ability to do, right? And I'll use another example. Um, uh, you know, sorry from North America, but Amazon, right? Yeah. You know, Amazon started as books, right? Now, I mean, if you if you live in if you live in the United States, you know, and you drive down the street, it's just cardboard box after cardboard box from Amazon with toilet paper and toothpaste and food and and so on. Right. And so the future for us is bringing things together, but offering more of an e-commerce experience. Right. So you kind of mentioned this. Oh, I just bought this machine. Can I get this attachment? Um, I just bought this machine. What about can I get a service warranty? Right. Or a service plan on it? You know, how do we make that part of the experience? Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about the seller experience and when the seller, but on the buyer side, how do we create more of what I would call an e-commerce experience, right? Something that resembles the convenience of shopping, right? You know, I apologize, I use an Amazon, right? Where, you know, hey, I put stuff in my shopping cart. You know, I know, you know, hey, I, I just bought this skid steer. Here are the attachments that go with that. Would you like that? You know, would you like, you know, would you like fries with that? We say in the, in, in the US, right? Or chips, sorry. Would you like chips with that? Um, so that, 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 to, uh, we have a lot of work to do there. And to, for me, that's the future, making the purchase of heavy equipment more like, you know, what we're used to now in traditional retail e-commerce. And I think that's a great place to end on, Matt, because realistically, I want the best value, the right elements. So yeah. I want, here are the three buckets and the great yeah. buckets that we've got that will fit your 12, your 20 ton excavator. Here yeah. are all of the spare parts. Here are some of the things that you might need to actually maintain that. Some of the, the work and hand tools or hydraulically powered tools or anything like that. You know, here is your tilt rotator that you could put on, whatever, you know. And that in itself just makes me as a buyer go, right, I don't need to worry about trying to find all these different things. Exactly. And we're always talking about the value of assets, uh, but realistically, what auction science and all this data and all this and all this space and turning it into the, the RB, the Amazon of, of, of the industry, for example, is about time. And yeah. where do you put a value on your time as a business owner, as an individual, as a, as a plant director buying equipment or selling equipment? Because that is the number one asset in your business, your people, their time, and therefore understanding the best value you can get out of them making the right decisions and them using auction science to do it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Time and convenience. And so with that time and convenience, Matt, I've inconvenienced you <laughs> long enough now. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, my pleasure. <laughs>
in-depth um, podcast, and uh, we'll be splitting it up as well into different sections for, for our video stuff. Thanks very much. Look after yourself. Come back and speak to me when we're yeah, getting yeah. even more scientific. That's Matt Ackley, everybody, the Chief Marketing Officer for Ritchie Brothers, speaking to us today from Sweden. Thanks for coming and popping over. And uh, tell us a little bit about the next excitement stuff coming on from you guys in a digital hungry way. And uh, I think you know, one thing I'll take away is I have learned a lot today. I hope the listeners have. And Matt, you've been a great guest. Thanks very much. Thank you.